your best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas, hard. Hey there, howdy, how about my buddy, Weston Taylor, well, uh, wow, that's some good stuff, we're going to put that to some music, but that's what you got coming up, thanks for tuning in, thanks for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas, I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, quite the um, celebration in studio today, we got Queen Catherine across the way, little sister hanging out for a little while, uh, how are y'all doing, everything good? Is your mic on? Test. Test. Okay. It's on. There it's we go. It's been a pretty good day because you're done with school now. Yeah, I'm done with school. And so, you know, earlier this afternoon, I kind of finished up with work and I went home and took a nap. You did take a nap. Yeah. Because I, I called you and you're <laughs> like, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. So uh. it's, been a good, it's been a pretty good day. Hey, uh, we're glad to be bringing you this program from AM 580 Lubbock. The studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Got a lot to get into today. Going to get into some county politics. I don't know what I'm more confused about. The term railroad, whenever we come to Texas politics, railroad commissioner or county judge. Because with both of them, I have no idea. I Like, you have an idea. Like, oh, there's the guy who drives the choo-choo train. That's Kent Hans, county commissioner. Or there's the judge with the gavel. Wait, but does the judge use it? I don't understand. None of those things I understand. <coughs> but we do have Curtis Parrish running for Lubbock County Judge. He'll be on with us here in just a bit but to set up the program today we were just talking before we came on air and let me just use some vainglory here like people do not understand what it means to turn 40 and to be a man and i don't want your sympathy but i'm telling you there are a lot of things that change and i don't care where you are in texas other sides metropolitan sides suburban sides there are just things that you got to face up to whenever you come into 40 years old. Is that why men tend to have a midlife crisis no, around I think that, that age? I think I, that's like 12 years away. I'm are 39. But, I, yeah, I think the midlife, like, that comes, like, with a Miaz, uh, Mazda Miata ponytail oh just driving gosh. off into the distance. Like, th that's like where the – but uh, my midlife crisis, and I've said this to you before, Yeah. my midlife crisis mm – -hmm is going to be to look at my wife and say, I'm Catholic now. You can come or you can't come. It's I know. You I, no, I ain't that. leaving the house. I would not, like I was saying to Abernathy the other night, the first question I get whenever people see me and my wife together uh -huh. is, well, how did that happen? <laughs> he must have had some goods on her. I ain't leaving. Yeah. Love Charity Joanne. But... I do think I'm just going to go like G.K. Chesterton and just go full bore Catholic. Uh, that's going to be. I'm awful. You know, I'm all That's for a that. pretty boring midlife crisis, though. But I think it also may speak to like a level of contentment too. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to like, hey, peace out. Yeah. I'm going on on a safari, in my boots, by myself, <laughs> like Theodore Roosevelt style. Like, I, I'm not going that far. But uh, yeah, I've got some. I don't even know if I want to get into. It. I'm going to do a monologue one day on <coughs> everything that begins to change when you turn 40. Oh, Maybe you're heading into 40 that. and you're a man. It's going to gross you out a little bit. 
Queen Catherine definitely going to gross you out. Because I'm just going to be real honest about anatomically, relationally, socially, everythingly about what goes on there. But I will say, also whenever I turn 40, I'm going to get on the Soloflex or just do push-ups or set-ups in a hot garage in the middle of the summer. I'm going to get a six-pack. I'm going to get a bunch of pictures taken. And it's going to be at that point whenever I weighed like 199 pounds. And like I'm speaking to you right now, 255, but uh, 199 <laughs> pounds, and that's going to be the pictures in my obit. And people are like, why did he use that? Because he only looked like that for like six months of his life. Yeah. I mean, he, but if you he work was hard at his to best. do it, yeah, exactly. He was at his best. Uh, so, a couple of things here. One, let's get in with Trump immediately. I like to stick with state stuff. We're going to go state stuff here in just a minute. But, okay, all you guys that have been drinking Haterade, what were the two Muppets named up in the uh, balcony? Waldorf and... Uh, oh, Gus. No, no, no. It's Waldorf and something else. Uh, can't... um going to look it up. Okay. Uh, Lubbock County Judge Candidate Curtis Griff, uh, Curtis Parrish, excuse me, Curtis Griffin. <laughs> that's another guy. Curtis Parrish efforting for us over here. Uh, but all this haterade on Trump, like, oh, he won't be able to manage anything. He can't do anything. Let's look at this week. You got three American hostages released yeah. from North Korea. Okay. Ha- do we know how long they were over there? And, uh, I don't know that directly. Five most wanted ISIS leaders captured. And left the Iran deal. If Statler. Yeah, Waldorf and Statler. Yes. That's all. Whenever people hate on me, I always put a picture up. Of those. But I always, I always just Google search Waldorf Muppet. Yeah. And it always shows a picture of two of them, and I just respond with that. Okay. Um, 3.9% uh, excuse me, unemployment and a meeting set up with Kim Jong-un, who apparently is on the leash now. I mean, that's a huge deal. That's a big take. That's a huge deal. Like, there's no way, uh, I don't care where you're on the political continuum. Oh, well, he's he's still moron. Like, okay, he's a moron, but for the first time in a long time, people aren't going to have to worry about the, and I don't think that people generally worry about, except for that crazy thing that happened in Hawaii. Yeah. Whenever they was it Hawaii where they put out the emergency warning that yeah. missiles it, from North Korea were coming in? Yeah, yeah, that was what a couple of months ago. But it, then they took it back and said that it didn't actually happen, <laughs> and th- it was a big deal. <laughs> People got in trouble. So, but see, at the very least, after this meeting and North Korea falls in line, if they fall in line, but let's just presume that they do fall in line. The next time you get an emer- emergency warning, yeah. they're on the island. Everything's cool, man. It's just a test. Yeah, right. A test of the emergency broadcast system. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, so I, I laugh at some of that stuff that here Trump stuff that we've been working on for 20 years, mm. all of a sudden it's stuff's, stuff's getting figured out. And that's pretty r- – now, look, there's some other sides to look into there. I still think the tax bill is not a good bill. Like, we're – going to be buried in debt and there are those issues uh, so i'm not like just sunshining for the president but at the same time 
who did it better? I don't think a strategy of patience via Barack Obama would have gotten these things done. And you got to put them out there in the pond next to North Korea and South Korea, show them military strength, and then I, I don't know what backroom deals have been done. And, and Politico wrote a piece today, hold the Nobel Prize, Kim is setting a trap for Trump. So Kim Jong-un sits in his dad's old basement and plays Nintendo all day and then watches highlight films of Dennis Rodman. I don't think he's some genius yeah. that's duping the president. That's not to say the president can't be duped because we've all seen 24 microphones in front of Stormy Daniels. Exactly. A- apparently he's dupable. Right. Uh, but I doubt it's by the Nintendo um, Rocket Man. I, I, I seriously doubt that. So, that's some, some national stuff. But move into state stuff for just a second as uh, we close up this segment. Dateline Austin, and this is via Mike Ward and Houston Chronicle, less than two weeks before the Texas Democrats select a nominee to face Governor Greg Abbott in November, the Republican incumbent is going on the attack against Lupe Valdez. The campaign against Valdez gives a clear hint of how the governor's race will be scripted in the months to come, especially if she wins. And good point there, Mike Ward, if she wins. I'll go on to read a couple more paragraphs. I want to come back to that if. Big conditional there, and I think that's part of the governor's strategy. Uh, The governor's political campaign on Thursday launched a website that labels former Dallas County Sheriff, quote, too liberal for Texas, which is exactly the point. She is too liberal for, I've got no qualms with that. Calling her the, quote, presumptive Democrat nominee for governor. Valdez, in a late morning response, insisted that her views were right for the new Texas. The new Texas. Uh, I mean, they say there's a blue wave coming. uh, Well, I still hear people surprised that there's a New Mexico, and I'm even more surprised that there's going to be a new Texas. Valdez bested uh, Andrew White in the primary, in the March primary, with about two times his vote and has been considered a frontrunner by party leaders, even though an April poll suggested they might both be within single digits of Abbott. Valdez and White both struggling with underfunded campaigns. And And you know why? Because all these Democratic donors put a lot of money in on pink shoe Wendy Davis. Mm -hmm. And how did that go? Landslide Wendy. That's how that went. Landslide in the wrong direction. Abbott has more than $40 million in his campaign war chest and is generally popular across the state. I think this is all, speaking of duping people, and this is not, I, I don't make any claim that uh, that Abbott hangs out in a North Korean peninsula bunker and plays Nintendo all day, nor does Abbott watch Dennis Rodman highlights. But I think Abbott's trying to influence the outcome of that election to get really uh, far left people in Texas revved up about Valdez, that he wants to fight. Well, he's got a fight coming because he knows that it's Andrew White who can give him the contest. Andrew White who can appeal to the middle and begin to pick up votes with people who are not down with a governor that said, oh, Jade Helm 15 is coming. So we got to put out the, the 
the National Guard to watch after those federal troops like Queen Catherine's dad. You, know, you can't trust those guys. I mean, that's it's crazy talk, but that's the kind of, you talk about getting duped. Abbott gets duped like every other week. And uh, I think it's smart of Abbott to jump out here and to point at White and presume that White's going to be the nominee. Or to presume, well, to, excuse me, I said that all wrong. I think that in his heart he believes that White will very possibly win, but he knows that he knows the numbers, and he stands in much stronger contrast to a lot of Texans uh, against Valdez than he does White. With White, he's got a he's got a battle on his hands. Mm -hmm. He's got an entrepreneur, a guy who's been successful in business, a guy who even has stakes in border control through private companies. That's something that Valdez would not have, and you know. The idea, to be frank, a lesbian out of Dallas County is not going to be an appealing thing across a lot of Texas. Um, I, I think in a lot of places, especially outside the Triangle, that is not going to be an appealing vote for a lot of people. And so I think he's propping up Valdez because he fears most white. That's my take there. Uh, that's And prove me wrong. But I think that's exactly what uh, Abbott... I mean, why would you be involved in that right now unless you were trying to dictate the outcome? Like, you wait... Like, it's May... It's May what? Um, tenth. Tenth. Sorry, my hand is over my date on my watch. May 10. Just hold off 12 days and then go to town. Go to church. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But that he's getting involved in the waning hours of that campaign says to me... Greg Abbott, scared of Andrew White. That's my takeaway here, other side of Texas. Curtis Parrish going to jump on with this. We're going to talk about, first of all, what in the hell cakes does a county judge do? What does he want it to do? We'll get in with that. We're some pretty. Green, baby. Every spring since I was a kid, like there's just something in me, in the DNA, something just, it's time to drink a little beer and sit on the porch and listen to Texas Country. Just, <laughs> and then we just play songs that I like on this show. I hope that you like them too. Curtis Parrish running for Lubbock County Judge. To make this appealing for folks outside of Lubbock, we're going to get into what in the hell cakes does county judge actually do? That's a problem. Sure. That, that's a question that's asked in roughly 254 counties. Well, and, and I can tell you that, that during this election, uh, that has been pretty much the common question. Uh, what does the Lubbock County judge do? And, and uh, Or I a county judge. Well, and, and what's interesting about that is it depends on which county you're in. You know, the, the job of, of Lubbock County, or the job of county judge in general in Texas is set by the Texas legislature. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that kind of set the job of the county judge. Which, if I know the legislature, it's not very specific. Well, uh, <laughs> but if, if, you're in a, if you're in a top ten county, uh -huh. uh, population-wise, the county judge has specific duties, and, and some of those specific, specific duties are, are kind of split off. Uh, Where is Lubbock, though, there? I mean, well, we are number eight, 18th. Okay. We are the 18th in largest county, county of, of the largest city of the 254 okay. counties in Texas. Uh, we are Lubbock County number 18th. 
And so uh, the job of, of county judge in Texas depends on really where you live. Okay. Uh, in, in fact, in, in counties that are smaller than 3,000 folks, the county judge also serves as, believe it or not, the school superintendent. So it, the, the, the job of county judge varies. Do so those guys get paid a lot more? Well, I, it, again, it depends on what county you're in. Because I know in smaller counties also, the state will, uh, I don't want to use the wrong word. You, if 40% yeah. of the job is spent on judicial issues because they don't have the courts at law in smaller counties, so if you are the magistrate and you're going after all this judicial stuff, 40% of your time, that's 25% of your pay that's paid by the state. Okay. Uh, to clarify, you, you're, you're right about the 40%. You're not the first person that wanted to clarify me. That's okay. Uh, there, is a, there is a fund available from the state mm -hmm. uh, to compensate county judges for 40% of their work if 40% of their work or more is judicial. Mm, okay. uh, that fund is, is uh, only available to county judges, and it's available to county judges uh, in big counties all the way down to the small counties. So okay, let's, let's pause there. You bet. Because you just walked in. This is the first time I've met you. Yes, sir. Unless I forget something. No, we're now good. I drink a lot of Diet Coke, so I'm, I'm prone to forget things. Uh, first of all, First down, Red Raiders. Let's hear it. Absolutely. Uh, how about just the, the plain old intro? You want that? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Jones AT&T Stadium on the beautiful campus of Texas Tech University. That's the voice you know on the PA That's there right. at Jones Stadium. It's, it's been doing that. Been doing that for 18 years. Really? This will be How my. How did you get that? This will be my 19th year coming up uh, this this football season. Uh, it was uh, Gerald Rogers, who was the longtime PA announcer before I took over, uh, had had held the job for 44 years, and he had gotten to a place in his life where he was ready to retire. And when he did, uh, they had open auditions there at the stadium one night. Uh, show me and uh, 99 other of my friends showed up, and uh, we had open auditions. And then I, uh, of course, prevailed and have been doing the job ever since. Hey, you're a lawyer. I am. You worked with Duncan. Where else have you worked? Uh, I worked for 16 years in Lubbock Media. I was uh, the chief photographer and assistant news director at Channel 28 uh, for many years. I was also the assistant news director over at Channel 11 uh, prior to leaving there and going to work for, uh, well, then state representative Robert Duncan uh, in that special election in 1996 when uh, when John Mothard resigned from the Senate to become Chancellor mm -hmm. of Texas Tech, uh, Robert Duncan uh, resigned as uh, state representative to run for state senator. And uh, when we prevailed in that race, then I went to Austin with him as legislative aide. Okay. And uh, worked a couple sessions down there. My last A couple? Two or three? Or uh, my last session was, in, that was in 1997. My last session was in 2001. Uh, I and, so and you worked and then I, and then I was over on the House side. I was a committee clerk for Juvenile Justice and Family Issues Committee, okay. uh, and it was because of my work in the legislature, uh, and decided to really kind of fulfill uh, this this dream uh, that I that I had to go to law school. Uh, came back to Lubbock following that 2001 session. Uh, my wife and I and our four kids. 
came back to Lubbock, and then uh, I, I, I went to Texas Tech, went to law school, uh, and have been practicing now in, in Lubbock ever since. I, I, my law practice consists of estate planning, mostly. Uh, the majority of that estate planning is in uh, uh, wills and probates and trust management. Uh, I also uh, do a lot of guardianship law as well. Uh, we have guardianship clients that, that we take care of as well. Uh, I also do a lot of contract law and uh, real estate, oil and gas, uh, those type of things. The things that are kind of related in, in and around estate planning uh, is, is the primary practice uh, that I do. And plus, also because of uh, my experience uh, in, in, in government, especially state government, uh, I do redistricting. Uh, and, and this is, uh, I do, I, I've done redistricting this in 2011. I did redistricting for several small counties, uh, the smaller counties in and around uh, West Texas. And uh, I do a lot of governmental law and election law as well. And it, it was because of all that, and you kind of take all of those experiences, all of that uh, job, uh, I guess, experience that I've had, put it together, and this is what is preparing me to be the Lubbock County Judge. Curtis Parrish here on the other side of Texas. We're talking, getting, in, getting into some Lubbock politics and uh, talk about county judges. Good question for, and I'd appreciate, you shoot me an email, jay at othersideoftexas.com. If you're listening outside of Lubbock, and many of you are, why don't you ask your county judge what they do and then report back to me so <laughs> that whenever we get Parrish and Bourne back in, in the next week, two weeks, um, we can ask them some, some better questions than I'm going to ask Curtis Parrish here. Well, Jay, let's talk about what the Lubbock County Judge does. Uh, I gave you kind of the overall kind of view of okay, county judges throughout Texas. Let me but, but we need to be really specific about the Lubbock County Judge because it is unique. Well uh, and, and the Lubbock County Judge has, has things that, that the judge oversees, that the responsibilities of the Lubbock County judge, which again are set by the Texas legislature, that are unique to Lubbock County, and 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 that. But the legislature doesn't designate specific Lubbock County. Sure, it does. There are 254 job descriptions out there, Curtis. Yeah, you Perry. look at you you look at Government Code 26.252, and that sets the 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 jurisdiction for the Lubbock County judge. Okay. It so says it specifically, Lubbock County. Okay. And then it, 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 it and that was what code again? This is the government code, 26.252. Okay. So you tell me what you take away from 26.52. The original jurisdiction for the Lubbock County judge are probates, guardianships, and mental health cases. The county judge, the Lubbock County judge, is the court of jurisdiction for those cases. Now, uh, also in the estates codes, uh, 1022.001 defines that the guardianships, that, that the jurisdiction for guardianships belongs to the probate judge. Uh, the health and safety code, 574, dictates that mental health cases belong to the probate court. And this but can they be passed on to the county courts at law? Uh, the county court at law uh, has what's called concurrent jurisdiction. Uh, and, and all courts have that. All district courts have that. Mm -hmm. uh, JP courts have. Every single judge uh, in the state has some, some sort of a concurrent jurisdiction. That way, if, if the judge runs into a, 
uh, a conflict of interest or, or is vacated for something, the wheels of justice don't just stop. That there has to be another court that can take uh, those cases that that judge can't hear either has to recuse himself because of you know conflict of interest or whatever. So the con so the uh, concurrent jurisdiction of the Lubbock County judge is the county court at law. Okay. So let's go down the road here. How much, in your view, should the Lubbock County judge spend percentage of time judicial and administrative? I've heard you via others say 75%. Well, that's the, that 75% is based on what the current job description is. Uh, and and that, that's based on what the current county judge spends doing uh, probates, guardianships, and mental health cases. If you look at his... Tom Head spends 75% of his time doing that? That's his docket. That's okay. correct. All right. uh, and if you if you look at how many cases are filed in Lubbock County uh, in those in those three areas, probates, guardianships, and mental and mental health cases, and and how much time the the only day of the week that that, that the judge really blocks out for holy uh, administrative duties is, is Friday, and so for four days a week uh, he hears he hears cases. Is that just head cases. or is that head's predecessors? Is, is that just Head's practice? Well, uh, now, now Tom Head has been the county judge now going on now 20 years. At mm -hmm. the end of his term, it will be 20 years. And I will say, it, it, it Lubbock County has grown substantially in the last 20 years. Yeah, I'd say. And, and the, therefore, the cases have also grown substantially over the last 20 years as well. And, and Jay, one more thing. This is a body of law that has become more complicated over the last 20 years as well. In fact, just this last legislative session, uh, the Texas legislators added 19 new guardianship laws to the books, brand new laws. And, and some of these, I can tell you, are very, very complicated. Uh, they, they, they involve uh, a high level of reporting back to the state. They, re they require a high level of fiduciary duty for guardians uh, over wards' property. Uh, and all of these things have made the county judge's job, the county judge that hears guardianship cases, the county judge's job, vitally important. And it's not a part-time job, and it's not a job that you can just slough off to somebody else. These county courts, our county court at laws, they all three, all three of those courts have full dockets. Right now. Absolutely. Do you have any indication at how, what kind of backlog they have? I, I don't, I... It, and it depends on the court, and it depends on the cases. Uh, you see, county court at law, uh, also they, they also hear uh, uh, child custody cases, divorce cases, misdemeanor cases. And so they, they have criminal and they have family law that they hear as well. The county judge only hears uh, those cases that, that I just enumerated, which are probates, guardianships, and mental health cases. And then beyond that, con uncontested. Contested and uncontested. All but means all. By and large, you could pass contested on to the other courts. Well, you could, but that's judicial negligence. Okay. Because that is the jurisdiction of the Lubbock County judge. And if you're not qualified to hear those cases, then you should pass them off. Okay. And so the question becomes, who do you want to hire as a Lubbock County judge? Somebody who's qualified to do the job or somebody 
who who wants a job but doesn't want to do the job okay, of Lubbock so County Judge. What I'm hearing you say is that if you don't want to spend 75% of your time attending to the docket in those various forms, wills, probates, guardianships, mental health cases, then you're going to have to essentially hire a magistrate. That's what you're saying. Or, or an associate and judge. And so how much does that cost? Uh, the estimate of hiring an associate judge a and the staff that, that inevitably has you have to have for an associate judge, you're looking at about $200,000 a year. Okay. That, that it would cost Lubbock taxpayers. And, and you know, for, for somebody who holds themselves out as being fiscally conservative and somebody who, who holds them out themselves out and says that the raises – that the county commissioners Wait, gave themselves well, are wrong. That somebody you're saying is Gary my Boring. opponent, Gary Boring. Okay. And he and uh, the first prong on his platform is it is wrong and even greedy for Lubbock County commissioners to give themselves raises. That two hundred thousand dollars that I just told you is more than the raises that the four commissioners gave themselves. Two hundred per year. That's correct. All right. If you've missed the program thus far, you go to our iTunes, the other side of Texas, don't be shy leave a review give us a rating preferably a five star or you can go to other side of texas what about us what about a six star can you do that they can't do that okay not yet we're going to try to break that rating though there you go go into a six star so let's uh, we covered your idea of what job is judicial to administrative uh, so far as percentages are concerned um, I'm going to go into a couple of things here. Let's get this thing a little bit racy, Curtis. Let's Barry. do it. Uh, you have come out, and I heard you on my friend Chad Pro Chad Hasey's program uh, in in the debate the other night. And the beauty is that I can talk about Chad because we're an independent-owned radio station. I buy this guy, and I talk about him in a big way. But uh, you've begun, if I heard correctly you're hanging the auditorium vote regardless of how people voted on saturday in lubbock in the city proper where they voted for or against the the prop you're hanging that vote on gary Bourne's neck is that an accurate well what what i have said and what i will say today and i will continue to say is that it it, it is sad that we are in the position that we've got a a major asset of the city of lubbock that has been allowed to deteriorate and get to a point where it's not worth fixing up anymore. And when back in 2004, uh, the city voters voted a bond election. Born, to, to born uh, let me clarify, born on the council at that time. That's correct. Pushed for a bond election as part of that council. And go ahead. And part of that bond election, part of that bond package, was $4.5 million to upgrade the auditorium. Uh, after that vote passed in 2004, that city council made the independent decision to not spend the money on the auditorium, to not fix it up. But instead, they used that money for other things. But, but he'll say there, and just what I assume he would say is that, look, the auditorium was down at, like, number six on the list for that 4.5 and that we took up roads and we took up water in the meantime with Meredith going dry. Well, and they, they took up the Civic Center as well. So the Civic Center took precedence over the auditorium. Is that what you're saying? What I am saying is that that, that city council broke faith with the people because the people 
felt like that the auditorium, that asset was worth keeping, and that council decided to spend the money on something else. So we're at the position we were today uh, with deciding to abandon it because it was going to cost too much to fix it up when we could have done that uh, 10, 12 years ago, and it was not done. So you think it's derelict of him now to speak? Well, ag again, I think it's a, a, a break of faith. They, they came to the voters and say, trust us, we're going to use this money to fix up the auditorium, and they did not. I mean, we, we all voted for that. Uh, everybody remembers voting in 2004 for a bond package to fix up the auditorium, and it was not done. Okay. So and that was a decision made by the council that Gary Borden was on. All right. Uh, go on here with Curtis Parrish. Now, now I, I will say, not, not to his defense, but he was one of seven votes on there. But he did vote, uh, along with, with the mayor and the other city council members, to not fix up the auditorium. Is Gary Bourne responsible or not responsible for the vote that we took on Saturday? I think he should be partially responsible for it. Because like partially, because like because let's get into no, like no, no, listen, hold on, because are you saying like 75% to, or 25%? No, because we, had to, we made that vote on Saturday because the council did not do their job back in 2004. Because they didn't do their job, they put us in this position to abandon a, a large major asset of the city of Lubbock. Okay. He has said, and again, listen to to Hasty in his notes. No, I, I didn't see his notes, but just listening to his interview with Gary Bourne, he has said that you, the proposition of you becoming county judge is much like a junior high kid wanting to go out for an NBA team. That was the that was the analogy that he threw out there. What do you say when you hear something like that from Gary Bourne? Well, I'm running for Lubbock County Judge. I have the education and I have the experience to do that job. But he says that you don't, and that's why well, you're like a junior high kid. I, I, I think the, the, the diploma and the law license that hangs in my office and my license to practice law will tell you that I do have the experience. I've had hundreds of cases in the county court. Uh, I, I understand the law. In fact, if you look at the actual job qualifications of, of county judge in Texas, that's set in the Constitution, Article 5, uh, Section 15. And, it, and, it, and the job description says that the county judge must be well-informed in the laws of the state, well-informed of the laws of the state. Now, now, you can interpret that how you wish, but I am clearly well informed of the laws of the state. I, I can tell you uh, in my experience in the Texas legislature, my experience as an attorney, uh, my experience as a community leader, I, I, I can tell you all of that comes together. Mm -hmm. and, and I am well informed in the laws of the state. Uh, this isn't a junior high trying out for the MBA. Uh, I actually even teach guardianship law to other attorneys. Uh, this is uh, that that was that was Gary Boren trying to dismiss uh, the judicial side of the job, and he said, "Well, anybody can do that." Well, if anybody can do that, I'd like to see his law license to do that. So I want to get in with three more things here. We're probably going to take you to about five till if you've got the time. 
I've got the time. time. We'll get boring the same time. You ran in a three-way race. Gary Gibson has raised issues with Gary Boren and has claimed that Gary Boren cut a deal with the U.S. District Attorney or the U.S. Attorney in 2007 to get out of prosecution, and she has openly wondered what deal he cut. She said that on record. She's made more claims that he went in and broke the city charter and thus the law in firing city employees. A lot of this goes back to Ted Parker, other names. I don't want to get in the weeds of, of a decade ago, but the claims are out there. What say you, Curtis Parrish, on those claims? Do you do you believe Karen Gibson, or where do you fall in all that? Well, my, my particular issue, uh, or at least the, the, the question that I think that, that the voters need to ask, is why did Gary Boren resign? He was, a, he was a member of the city council. He had only been on the council for 10 months uh, in his second term. Uh, he had been on the council for 10 months. And yet, very quickly uh, and very uh, suddenly resigned. And, and so the question becomes, why did you resign? Now, he has said during our campaign that he resigned because his family business was, was failing. We were in a recession. In 2007? Yes. Okay. And, I'm trying and, to get dates and, down and then, the list. Yeah, this was actually March the 22nd, 2007, if you want to get really uh, specific. Um, however, all the reports and, and, and everything that has come out because of that um, including, you know, AJ articles that, that ran the day after, cited uh, depositions, uh, inappropriate use of authority as the reason why Gary Bourne resigned. My, my, que my, quest my, question, my question for Councilman Boren is, why did you resign? And is, is these allegations, uh, in, including lots of depositions and testimony, uh, by, by people and including statements made by the uh, city attorney did that was that a factor in you resigning for from the city council so put that then on a timeline you run a campaign you've done the op research so where does Boren's resignation fall in line with the FBI coming in do you know what you know days data rec uh, resignation, but when did he step out? Was it March twenty second, two thousand seven? Uh, he stepped out. When did the FBI come in? Do you know? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, the the FBI uh, was an ongoing uh, investigation. So but they I, but were I, in and out. But I, I can tell you that this was the statement made by the city attorney, uh, also on March twenty second, two thousand seven. This was. This was the city's response to Gary Boren's irrevocable resignation letter. In fact, that's what Gary Boren states in his resignation, my irrevocable resignation. Um, she said, to my knowledge, this will resolve all outstanding ish issues as alleged in the case of Terry Ellerbrook, to include this being the resignation of Gary Boren, including his allegations of violations of the Open Meetings Act, the Charter, Age Discrimination Employment Act, and the Whistleblower Protection Act, and any issues con concerning reprisal. Uh, and she concludes as saying, 
Insofar as I'm concerned, this matter is closed. The city has no intention of pursuing any civil or criminal charges in this matter against Gary Boring. So that was, that was the statement that was read right after Gary Boren's statement of resignation. This in ends the civil and criminal charges in this matter against Gary Boren. Because he resigned. That's what it says. Okay. That's, that, that's this, I, I, I quoted you the letter. Now, I was not in the room. I didn't write this letter. I'm just quoting you the letter that, that, was, that was written and, and was spoken by the city attorney. So uh, another question, we'll go to break and get one more in with you here. The, I've listened to both of you. I think that Boren's going to have to deal with a whole lot more judicial than he anticipates. And to be frank, I think you're going to have to deal with a whole lot more administrative. Oh, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm a business owner. Uh, I have been. But uh, I don't think that you're going to be able to hold that at 25%. So maybe, wait, maybe you have to hire a magistrate as well. No, I, mean, I just, well, I look. I look back on this years back. The EPA comes in and says, "Guess what? This is a non-attainment area," and all of a sudden, that is all the county judge is doing. Or you got the opportunity to get a prison. Then, you know, it, maybe it goes over four days a week on the administrative and side, and maybe it does. And and that and that is the the work ethic, and you know, to 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 say to say exactly uh, what. Here, here's the other thing. Uh, the, the Lubbock County judge is in charge of emergency management for the county. And I used to say, if we have an emergency, and somebody stopped me and said, no, it's when we have an emergency. When there is a disaster or an emergency, it, it's all hands on deck to, medi uh, to, to mitigate that disaster. So, so yeah, I mean, th you, you work the problem, but this is the docket. This is exactly what the job of Lubbock County Judge is. To pawn that off on somebody else is negligent, and it's not fiscally conservative. It, 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 it is, it, in fact, it's fiscally liberal to say, I'm running for a job that I don't want to do, that I'm just going to give off to somebody else. And, and, and that, is, that is a complete mismanagement of the taxpayer's money. I am the only candidate that's willing to do 100% of the job 100% of the time. Talking about what a county judge does, and uh, a good interview so far. You can go, again, to iTunes after the show, download this podcast. So we've gotten into the judicial, the administrative, the charges, uh, I say charges, the allegations that have been made against your opponent. The... Um, the priorities, then, is where I want to close out with you, Curtis Parrish. What, what are your priorities as you see them administratively, judicially, as Lubbock County judge? Well, Lubbock County uh, has, has really three main duties. Uh, one is public safety. Uh, two is roads and maintenance. And the third is uh, to provide justice, the, the judicial uh, portion for the citizens of Lubbock County. Those are kind of the the three main things that, that Lubbock County does. Uh, and anytime we deviate from those three main things, I, I, I think you, you, you really got you, you really to make a great case for me to get off those three mission points. Uh, so when you're talking public safety, the umbrella of public safety uh, is the Sheriff's Department. 
the detention center, the juvenile justice center, our rural fire departments, our EMS and ambulance services, all of those are, are kind of under the umbrella of public safety. And then when you're talking roads and maintenance, uh, you're talking about county roads, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, roads that, that are both uh, caliche and our seal coat, uh, any of those roads, and maintenance in, involves uh, public buildings that are owned by the county, and those, those are under kind of what I consider to be roads and maintenance. Okay, two follow-ups. Have there really been 81 illegal, well, criminal aliens, let's just put it that way, uh, people who are not citizens of the United States who've come in illegally and have committed crimes. Have there really been 81 in the last year? I don't know that number, Jay. You, you'll have to ask the sheriff that. Okay. Uh, he's taken those into custody. That those are, those are clearly criminal matters. Why hasn't Woodrow Road been done yet? Uh, what's wrong with Woodrow Road? People will say... This is the third, I've heard other people say, the second fastest growing school district. And it that is. It is a two-lane road. Now, your boss got that done in Austin. Your former boss, Bob Duncan, got that done with TxDOT. And people are up in arms. A lot of the, the school races there at Cooper, this was the number one issue. We've had the superintendent on from Cooper on this program, good old Buck has been on the show, and he said that they even tried to bond that road, but there's been no activity on it. So if it does get the traffic that is claimed, and it certainly does get a lot of traffic, you know, what about a shoulder? What about a first and fourth lane? Those are questions that are out there, but my big question is why hasn't it been done? Well, a again, you, you would need to talk to the, the road commissioner about that. Talk to... Talk to uh, Commissioner Bill McKay. Uh, I'm concerned about roads, not just Woodrow Road, but all county roads. And this is the job of the county judge, to see the whole county, not just one portion, not just one aspect of it. You know, when you're talking Woodrow Road, uh, yes, there's a lot of traffic on Woodrow Road. There's also a lot of traffic on those roads that go into Woodrow Road, like South University. And if you've driven on South University, that road is a mess. And so if we're talking priority, and, and that's how you handle road construction, is you prioritize uh, your, you say, where are our absolute first needs? Is and, and I will tell you, Jay, our first needs are those roads that go into uh, Woodrow Road right now. Uh, South University, for example, uh, Cooper East, which is an elementary school, we, we will be going online uh, this fall. And there is going to be a lot more traffic on South University. That road needs to be but fixed so and fixed what about, today. What about people I talk to in Idaloo or people I yes. talk to out in Shallow Water? That's right. Say, they have road issues but themselves. This is what I hear a lot of. The whole county commissioner race in Lubbock was about Woodrow Road. Right. What about these roads? That's exactly what I'm saying as well. Uh, because as county judge, you have to see the whole county and and. And as I said in the beginning of our interview, Jay, is you have these four managers of, of Lubbock County. They manage the roads. They manage Lubbock County. Your job as county judge is to bring them together for the good of the whole county. So not just one, not just one area of it. To whip them into a vote? No. 
you don't whip people into a vote. What you do is you find the common ground and you, you encourage them and you show them how to better work for Lubbock County. Okay. And then you find ways. So you, you, you find ways like what we did with TxDOT. We found ways to, to bring additional funding in is for, for county roads. Okay, so is that your proposal to appeal to TxDOT or will you put out a bond? I will not put out a bond. Okay. I think I, I and you know for for someone for for my opponent who stands up and and and, and decries and ta talks about taxes lower taxes lower taxes lower taxes if you pass a bond if you propose a bond you're automatically raising taxes and I will tell you I will not do bond elections for roads and, and there's a specific reason why it's because this is what you, this is why we are in Lubbock County a pay-as-you-go county, and I'm committed to holding us to a pay-as-you-go. The only debt that Lubbock County has right now is for the detention center, and that was something that we all voted on, and that was for the benefit of the whole county. It wasn't just for the benefit of one little section of Lubbock County. It was for the benefit of the whole. That debt will be paid off in about seven years, and once that debt is paid off, Lubbock County will be debt-free. And I am committed as a county judge to not only get us to debt-free, but to keep us debt-free. And, and so I, this, is, uh, this is fiscal conservatism at its best, is not just whipping out the credit card and paying for things now and then depending on our children and our grandchildren to pay for it down the road. This is the policies of Gary Bourne. This is what he did on school board. This is what he did on city council. And he wants to do the same to Lubbock County. And it is wrong. It is wrong for Lubbock County. Close out here. We're going to have Bourne on, I think, in the next, uh, next. it's going to be next week or soon thereafter. Your top three in one minute. This is a challenge, Curtis Parrish. Your real requisite for the job is to tell us your top three in one minute. The first thing I will do as Lubbock County Judge is bring our EMS entities together. Right now, uh, we've got an issue with em emergency medical services, EMS. Right now, they're run out of UMC. Uh, EM, uh, UMC has stated uh, that for county calls, they have a 40-minute response time for non-emergency, 20-minute for emergency. That's unacceptable to me. Uh, so one of the first things I will do as county judge is bring all of our emergency providers together, and, and we, will, we will come up with a plan to lower that because that is dangerous and that's going to cost lives. Okay. Uh, what I will also do is, as, as I've already done, uh, but as county judge, I will sit down with Sheriff Kelly Rowe and, and come up with a, with a good plan on how to get more boots on the ground. That's what he wants. He wants to have more patrol officers. He wants to have more deputies uh, to be able to patrol these areas. Right now, what we have is we have uh, Lubbock is, is the hub city, and that's a good thing economically, but we're also the hub city for drug trafficking. Uh, drugs come up from Mexico and from South America and get distributed out of Lubbock. Uh, and, so, and so Sheriff Kelly Rowe needs more personnel uh, in order to, to uh, effectively fight the drug trafficking. But secondary to that, and it's, it, it, it may even be more heartbreaking, is the sex trafficking. That is, that is an area that is just breaking my heart right now because all these girls are being kidnapped 
in, in Mexico and Central America and being funneled into the United States right through here. And that has got to stop. It stops here. It stops today. And we need to make sure uh, that, that our law enforcement officials have, have the tools, the training, the personnel, the equipment that they need uh, to stop this scourge that's going on in our, in our communities right now in sex trafficking. So those are, those are my top priorities. Uh, my instant priority also is, is to make sure that, our, that, that the court system is working well, that our, our probates are being handled in a timely uh, and efficient manner, that our guardianships, are, that our guardians are being held to that high uh, fiduciary standard and that they are doing their job and taking care of the wards of, of, yeah. of our community. Okay, so, so, so those are. I so do Jay, have one last question. Okay, for good. You, I, I'm glad you came up with a question, but I'm telling you, those are my priorities. You asked what they are. Those are my priorities. Because I want to ask this of Gary Bourne as well. We spend a lot of time on the show talking about speaking. We, you know, our tagline is speaking for and from other side of Texas. There are county judges lined up at the door from especially rural counties that are sick and tired of getting pushed around uh, through these appraisal caps from Paul Bettencourt Center, Paul Bettencourt via the lieutenant governor. And there is a move now to carve out rural counties. So there, I don't know what the number is, but it essentially be a lot of counties around Lubbock that could be carved out from a 2.5 appraisal cap uh, mandatory election. They feel... Again, I was with judges the other night. They feel like this is the nose of the camel under the tent. That now it's just a matter of time before they get brought into this on county evaluations that fluctuate because of uh, the weather, because of agriculture, because of a whole lot gas, of things. sure. Do you as Lubbock County Judge see your role as to be not a leader but the leader in the region with all of those other counties in mind? Yes, but I will say this as, as a qualifier to that. My first priority is to the citizens of Lubbock County. And so I, I, will, I will work my best and I will do uh, my best job and my best effort for the citizens of Lubbock County. Now, I do know and, and, I, and I fully understand Lubbock's role in West Texas. We again, we talked about being the hub city, but we're the hub city for many, many different reasons. Uh, as Lubbock goes, so goes West Texas in a lot of ways. No, and so uh, as, if as Lubbock, if, as Lubbock goes, if the judge goes with the governor on this, then that sends a signal to a lot of these other rural counties. If it's bad for Lubbock, I will not support it. If it's good for Lubbock County, you bet I'm on board. Would you go with him today on the 2.5 cap? Now, what you're talking about is not an appraisal cap. It's the ad valorem cap. Okay. Th there's a big difference, Jay, between appraisal and ad valorem. Don't confuse those two. The Lubbock County judge has zero to do with appraisal values. Now, the Lubbock County judge is one of five votes uh, that can affect well, the ad valorem. distinction. And, and when right now that cap is on the ad valorem. So if, if you raise the ad valorem rate above 8%, so right now we're at 35.8 or 35.8 or .358 per 100 evaluation. If you raise that 8%, that will trigger an automatic election. And so then the citizens have to come back and say, yes, we, we'll, we'll, we'll accept that uh, uppage. 
Now, in this last session, uh, the Senate wanted to drop that down to 4%. The House wanted it at 5 They couldn't compromise. It fell apart. And so now it, it's back at that 8% where it was uh, last year and where it is this year. Um, I, I don't mind seeing it down at the 4 or 5%. That's fine. Uh, and, and I think that that's very doable, and that's good for the citizens and for the taxpayers of Lubbock County, and that is my first priority. And so uh, if you ask me, will I support a 2%, actually, I, I would like to see it at zero, honestly, um, but it's practical at about four or five, and I'm okay with that. And, and, and I think, that, and I think that, that that, to me, shows that you are open, you are honest, and you are transparent with the people. And, and plus, if you decide to get out the credit card and do CO bonds, I think that that is absolutely wrong. And, and that should also go to the voters. Anytime you're going to pull money out of my pocket, you need to get my approval to do it. Tell them where they can find you, Curtis Parish. You bet. You, we are on Facebook at uh, Curtis Parish for, count, for Lubbock County Judge. We're also online. We do have a website, uh, Curtis Parish for County Judge. Dot com. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, sorry, I <laughs> radio closed I, out. I, I rolled there. into radio <laughs> real quick. Nice. Well, uh, Curtis, thank you for coming in. We'll try to get you back in before the twenty second. And uh, thank you. We're going to close out here. Went a little bit over. Oh, Queen Catherine, a little overtime pay here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and hit that music. Uh, you can follow us there on Facebook, other side of Texas, Twitter at OSTX Show, other side of Texas.com, where you'll find all this audio soon. Gonna go home, One eat some dinner with a great sleep. family. Yeah. Wish you a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow here, other side of Texas. Out,